Hallelujah. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. This afternoon, I'm going to be ministering on the subject called Indrances to the Presence of God. If you recall, when Pastor was teaching during the last Dominion Partners about two Saturdays ago, he was teaching on the seven biblical pillars of wealth creation. And one of those pillars is God's presence. This morning, I want to dig deeper into that subject called God's presence. And I'm going to profile the life of the first people that experienced this presence of God in the scripture. Adam and Eve. And I want to see the pitfalls of what hindered them from continuing in that presence of God. Please note that the enemy of the presence of God is Satan himself. If you go to the book of Revelations, chapter 12, give me Revelations 12, verse 7 on the screen, please. The moment he was chased out of heaven, he began to plan how to have so many others to go with him. And what broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren... Who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Satan was always good looking for those that will depart from the presence of God. Those that will lose the comfort of that presence. Those that will be chased away from where God is. And so brethren, the church of the living God is not a country club. It's not a golf club. It's not a social club. The church of the living God is an army. The moment you give your life to Christ, you are noted in heaven and you are noted in hell. While God loves you, Satan hates you with every passion in him. So we must be ready at all times for an out-all-out war with the enemy. And one of the areas where we need to battle is the area of God's presence. It's not a subject that we can take for granted. In the scriptures, there are three categories of people. The first category are those who walk their way from the presence of God. Example, Adam and Eve and Cain, their son. Give me Genesis chapter 3 verse 4. Even before God declared his judgment upon Adam and Eve, they decided to disappear from the presence of God. That is the first category of people. Give me Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. So we have those who walk away from the presence of God. Give me chapter 4. Let's look at how Cain also walked out from the presence of God. Give me Genesis chapter 4. 
Let me give me verse 14 of Genesis 4. Surely you have driven him out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone find him, should kill him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Nod means wonder. It means vagabond. Cain became a vagabond, not only physically, but in the spirit. Because he walked away from the presence of God. The second category of people you will see in this area of God's presence are those that the presence of God said departed from. They did not depart from God's presence, but God's presence departed from them. Example is King Saul. He was not looking for kingship, but God bestowed one on him. And as you are well aware, in the course of time, he began to disobey God. You rather please the people than please God. Give me 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 14 briefly. We are all familiar with the story. But the moment he departed, the presence of God departed from him, the Bible says a spirit came to torment him. 1 Samuel 16 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And so the third category, a very good category to be, is of those who enjoy God's presence in all seasons. In every season of life, morning, afternoon, night, they have God's presence at all times. Irrespective of whatever they are going through. Irrespective of their situation and circumstances. They have the presence of God for all seasons. Example is Joseph. Genesis 39, 2 to 3, the Bible said God was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. When he was sold to the house of Potiphar, God was with him. When he ended up in prison, God was with him. And eventually he ended up in the palace. Every season of Joseph's life, including when he became prime minister in Egypt, he had the presence of God. And so he became a prosperous man and a successful man. Now, when I studied the life of Adam and Eve in respect of God's presence, I identified five hindrances to the presence of God. Three of these five hindrances was made manifest in the life of this couple, Adam and Eve. The first hindrance, when you study the life of these people, is ungratefulness. One of the greatest hindrances to God's presence in your life, in my life, is ungratefulness. God's presence does not deal with ungrateful people. Ungrateful people cannot be great in life. And this pillar of wealth creation cannot be available to them. In the beginning, God created a world of abundance for man. Even before Adam and Eve were created at all, God already prepared where he's going to plant them. If you check Genesis chapter 1 verse 20, the Bible says God commanded the sea to team with abundance. Abundance of fishes, all kinds of animals, everything that man will need to sustain himself was created by God for them. If you go to Genesis chapter 12, verse, verse chapter 2, verse 8, God even created a divine GRA for them. What we can call a divine reservation area. The Bible says God planted the garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. In this same garden, you will see the river that parted to four heads. The name of one of the rivers is Avila which is a land of gold. The Bible said the gold was very good. Bidelium, onyx, precious stones were there. 
everything and anything that can gladden the heart of man. The Bible says God planted trees that were pleasant to the eyes and good for food. But despite this, man was not grateful to God. Before Adam was made, God made him and breathed into him. God gave him life. And he became a living soul. No thank you to God. God said man should not be alone. Now we make a helpmate for him. God caused a deep sleep on him. Created Eve. And showed it to him. The only thing that came out of his mouth is. This is the bone of my bone. Flesh of my And she shall be. She only did a name ceremony for Eve. She shall be called woman. For she was taken out of man. Without giving even credit to the man who created man originally. Because if God has not formed you, he will not have taken something out of you to create the woman. Eve also showed up in creation. She also found a good looking man as a husband. In a ready made home. Beautiful garden. With all the good things of life to make their life comfortable. She had living creatures at her beck and call. For God has given them dominion. In Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 to 28. That let us make one in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion. So they already have dominion over the fish of the sea. Over the birds of the air. Over the cattle. Over all the earth and over every living creature created by God. Creepy things that creeps on the earth. And finding themselves with all these benefits... In the garden east of Eden, they never said thank you to God. There was no sense of appreciation. I guess perhaps they have entitlement mentality. That if God has created us and put us in this garden, it is his responsibility to give us everything we need to. And we don't need to say thank you. Because we are not planning to come at all. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, before I proceed further, this morning, the Bible said, in the last days men shall be ungrateful. I want you to lift up your voice where you are seated and begin to thank God for your history, for your story, for your life, for your family, for your children, for your spouse, your parents, your siblings, the place of your birth, the time of your birth, your color, your height, the education you have, when you have food to eat, when you don't have food to eat. The tangible and intangible things that God has done for you. The very life that you live. Even the miracle of sleeping and waking up. Is enough to thank God. Is enough to appreciate God. Is enough to bless the name of the Lord. That Father we thank you this morning. We bless you, we praise you, we magnify your name. And some of us are here. Maybe you don't even appreciate your spouse. In Jesus name we are afraid. If you are sitting with your spouse, thank God for her. Say, Lord, I thank you for my life. Be all right. Thank you for your life. I thank you. You are a gift. Let's appreciate God for what he has done for us. Let's not take anything for granted. Let's bless God. Father, we thank you for our wives, for our children. We thank you for family. We thank you for this family of God. In some countries, they can't even gather together like this. They have to meet underground. And we are meeting in the open space, enjoying the liberty of God. And we take all these things for granted. Father, we are grateful to you. And if you don't have anything to thank God for, look at Psalm 103. Say, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Say, bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Look at the benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? Abba. Who satisfy your mouth with good things so that your youth is you like the eagles. Come on, somebody praise the Lord this day. And appreciate him and thank him. Our God is good, our God is faithful. And if you like your own scripture, it's Habakkuk chapter 3. Give me Habakkuk chapter 3 on, this, on the screen, please. Maybe you are looking at what is going to happen when we get home today. I don't, I'm not taking breakfast and lunch is not even starting. Give me Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17. There is nobody that will not have something to thank us. Say, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be caught 
off from the fold. And there will be no herd in the stores. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. So rejoice in the Lord. Again I say rejoice. For you will not die in process. God will not leave you. will not forsake you. He said I've been scrubbing the palms of my hands. So you will not be consumed by that process. No matter the difficulties of life. No matter the challenges of life. He's just using it as a training school. You are coming out. And you will glorify his holy name. In the name of Jesus. And that's why Psalm 100 that I read earlier said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. That means he wants you to serve him with joy. You cannot have his presence without thanksgiving. You cannot have his presence without joy. You cannot have his presence without a grateful heart. Because ungrateful people are an abomination to God. God wants us to be grateful. If you have problem with being grateful, go to the hospital. I remember about nine or uh, nine years ago, yes, year 2010, when I had a fracture on my leg. And I would go to Gobi and I would be so distressed and I would be so unhappy. And while I'm sitting down to wait for the doctor, and I would see somebody who cannot even move at all. From the neck down, the person is paralyzed. And I see accident victims, POP on the two legs, two hands hanging somewhere. And I look and I say, look at you, Wale. You are still looking at in stick and you are complaining. And yours is temporary. This one from the neck down is not going to even work again, except as a miracle. And then you go to another world, casualty world, and you see somebody cannot even drink a cup of water. They will have to make a hole on the throat and begin to pass tubes there. Somebody cannot even belch. My auntie was one telling me that, oh, in usage, people, minta is expensive. I said, minta. I said, minta is just a mint. He said, ah, he said, thank God that they have not done surgery for you. If you cannot fart and belch, they will say, you go and lick minta. And if the thing is not working, that means the operation has failed. Meanwhile, I fart anyhow when I eat beans. I'm copying my brother, I did And then I belch anyhow because I'm an Ibadan boy, village boy. We eat and we belch. We enjoy ourselves. And somebody else will begin to look for medicine before you can belch or fart. Ah, praise God for this in the name of Jesus. Can't you just bless this God that this God is good to you? That you are alive and you are alive in him. All your faculties are functioning well. You know where you are. You are not in the graveyard. Why don't you just bless him? Father, we thank you. What about those who are emotionally sick? Go to Aru. Go to Yaba. They are in another world of their own. They may be rich. They may have all the money in the world. But when you talk to them, you find out the man is on another planet entirely. He's no longer here. Yet he's physical. Yet you are physically here. Your faculties are still functioning. You can go to the toilet on your own. You can do many things. Why don't you just bless this God and be grateful? Why don't you just thank him that, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I bless you. I do not take anything for granted. You are good. You are faithful. In the name of Jesus. So ungrateful people will not have the presence of God. So be careful when you are saying the pillar of wealth creation is God's presence. If you are not grateful, you cannot have that pillar working for you. God is looking for grateful people. Not those like Adam and Eve that could not say thank you for all the good things that God has done for them. Closely related with this ungratefulness is lack of contentment. They are like twins. They go together. Because you find out that somebody who is not grateful is also lacking contentment or what the, thing, the things God has done for them. Now, I'm not saying you should settle for less than the best. No, that's not what God wants, wants to do with your life. Imagine with all the abundance that God has put in the Garden of Eden. Imagine all the trees that are pleasant to the sight and good for food. Imagine the river that I mentioned that parted to four heads that anybody can be proud of. God himself comes, the almighty God comes in the cool of the day to come and fellowship with this couple. Despite all the things that God has planted, Adam and Eve were not satisfied. They were not contented with the things heaven had provided for them. Eve was more concerned about the things heaven said they should not eat. They have more than enough to eat in the garden. All kinds of trees, all kinds of herbs. Even the tree of life that will have given them immortality was standing in the garden. God did not even protect that tree that they could have gone there to eat. The tree of life is not even attractive to mankind. And so the enemy was able to suggest to her that why would God say you should not eat from this? And she took her eyes from all the other good things 
that heaven has provided and was focusing on the things that God said, do not eat from. And so when you don't appreciate the things that God has given unto you, you enter into the realm of lack of contentment. First Timothy 6, chapter 6 says, Godliness with contentment is what? It's great gain. God wants us to be content with what he has given us. Give me verse 7 of that scripture. He said, for we brought nothing to this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with this, we shall be what? Content. But either man if lack contentment. And that was one of the reasons why they need to depart from the presence of God. Now I need to quickly distinguish between containment and contentment. God is not asking you to enter into containment. Containment is when you decide to settle for less than the best that heaven has prepared for you. Containment is when you decide to settle for less than the best that heaven has prepared for you and you refuse to make progress. The Bible says the things that God has freely given unto us, they are revealed to us by his Holy Spirit. So when those things are revealed to you, and you stayed in the same inglorious position, that is not contentment, that is containment. Containment is when you decide to settle for less than the best that heaven has prepared for you, and you refuse to make progress. Contentment, on the other side, is appreciating God for what he has done for you. You appreciate God for what he has done for you, but aspire for better things that he has in store for you, which will come to pass in the fullness of time. Contentment is appreciating God for what he has done for you, but aspiring for better things that he has in store for you, which will come to pass in the fullness of time. I prophesy to you this day that your status will change for good in the name of Jesus. Your status will change for better in the mighty name of Jesus. That that which heaven has prepared concerning you, you will possess it in the name of Jesus. There will be no decline in your life in the name of Jesus. The order for the kingdom is increased. There will be increased all around you in the mighty name of Jesus. There will be no diminishing returns in the mighty name of Jesus. God will take you to the place that he has prepared for you. You will not be contained in anything in the name of Jesus. Nothing in creation will dominate you in the mighty name of Jesus. The dominion God has given unto you will exercise it over your environment. And your environment will respond to you in the mighty name of Jesus. But you should not lack contentment. Wait for God. He's working things out. He's preparing better things for you. And they will come to pass in the fullness of time. But you need to be content with what he has given unto you. Because that contentment with, great, with godliness is a great gain. Eve was not content with what God has done for them. Adam also was not content with it. Otherwise, when Eve offered him that fruit, he would have said, no, God said we should not eat. Why are you eating it? So there's a displeasure inside of him too against God. He lacked contentment. He did not appreciate what God has given to them. They want more than what God required for them. And Satan was there to give them enough reasons why they should reject the instructions of God. I read something very funny in the social media. Maybe it's a WhatsApp somebody sent to me. He said that when men have money, they fall into sin. They look for other women that are more beautiful, more attractive than their wives. That when women lack money, they fall into sin. So when men have money, instead of you to fall into sin, give it to your wife who needs money so that she too will not fall into sin. Are you getting the joke? It is money that pushes men to go outside and begin to do all things. If he doesn't have money, he will stay at home. He will be a gentleman. The women, when she's lacking, she begins to go up and down because she wants to feed her family and take care of it. So if the man has money, give it to the wife. By that, you eradicate sin on both sides. Your husband will stay at home. The woman will have enough resources to take care of everybody. Praise the Lord. So, lack of contentment is a hindrance to the presence of God. I pray that God will give us grace to be able to be content with what he has given to us as we wait for other things to come to pass in the fullness of time. Now, critical things 
is the third entrance to God's presence. This third entrance concerns you and I especially. I call it questioning the goodness of God. There is no one who has been walking on this path of destiny that will not at a stage begin to question whether God has been good to me or not. The enemy was also playing that same game with the mind of Eve. How will God create this big garden for you with all the resources and begin to still put control over some things you cannot eat, some things you cannot touch, some things you cannot have access to? If God is a good God, why will he put such restriction? If he said he has given you dominion, so why can't you dominate even the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Bringing that into contemporary times, you and I can begin to reel out our spiritual accomplishments since we became born again. You can begin to look at how many souls we have brought into the kingdom. You can begin to look at the amount of tithe that you have paid, the amount of offering that you have made. You can begin to look at how committed you are to church activities in your department, in your church, in the house. You are always there. In church programs, you are always there. When they need volunteers, you are always there. But yet, you look at your life, it appears things are not together. I'm a mature single, it's time for me to settle, you settle the solitary family. You have not said to me, I'm still solitary. I've married for several years. Where are the children that you said are coming? None of us shall be barren. Has become a cliche in my ears. When am I going to carry my own children? I'm struggling with my business. I'm struggling with so many things that I'm doing. And I said, I will laugh in the midst of famine. This afternoon, I don't even know where we're going to get lunch in our family. By stripes, I am healed. I've come out several times during the healing service. But this sickness is still disturbing me. I'm still taking my drugs. I'm hooked to the drug. I cannot be free. Yet you said you have healed me. When am I going to be free of these daily drugs I have to take? To control my blood pressure. To control my diabetes and all sorts. You begin to personalize diseases and sicknesses as if it's a property. And then you begin to recount to God like Ezekiah. See God, I have served you. Look at what I've gone through. You are indirectly questioning the goodness of God. Without declaring inside of your heart, it's like, God, are you really good? Are you really good? I cannot be doing all these things. I don't know how to brag, but there's no here to help me. You're back all the on sin regun. I've seen it been so long. You're telling God, this is what far I've gone for you. What have you done for me? When am I going to have my own testimony? He said, I will set you, set you. I'm getting old. I'm approaching 50 years. He said, you will set you. So, which day are you going to set you this solitary into family? See, when I'm 70, so many questions are there. I paid my tax, I paid my offering. When is the window of heaven going to be open concerning my resources? So that I will have enough resources and there will be no enough room to contain it. So Eve was also challenging God. Those are the thoughts Satan has planted in her heart as she has conversation with the enemy. You begin to feel there are inconsistencies between the word of God and the action of God. Satan will begin to press it inside your spirit man to begin to say, is this God good? If you are writing, I want you to write this down. Understand the enemy will assault your mind without. Understand the enemy will assault your mind without for as long as you allow him to do so. He attempts to undermine and sabotage your faith in the Lord. Understand the enemy will assault your mind without for as long as you allow him to do so. He attempts to undermine and sabotage your faith in the Lord and your confidence in God's goodness. He attempts to undermine and sabotage your faith in the Lord and your confidence in God's goodness. By pointing out to you perceived inconsistencies. 
He attempts to undermine and sabotage your faith in the Lord and your confidence in God's goodness by pointing out to you perceived inconsistencies in God's words and his actions. By pointing out to you perceived inconsistencies in God's words and his actions. I want you to recognize that this is not just an emotional or an intellectual question. Anytime such thoughts are coming to your heart, it is a demonic attack from the pit of hell. The enemy is setting you on a collision court with your creator. Because the Bible says with the one that was created, begin to question his creator. He says he's the one who has made us and not we ourselves. So who are you man to question God? How much you carry come here, yourself? Who said you do I hold that I must pay? Does he owe you? Does he owe me? That you are recounting everything you think you have done. There is no inconsistency with his word and within his word and his actions. As, as my submission this afternoon. You reset or whatever you are going through. You don't have the full picture. The Bible says we hear and we see in part. We prophesy in part. You are just an actor on the stage. Acting out a script. Remember the framing of our lives that we studied last year? That God has framed your life. Jacob, Isaac, Joseph, and all them were not there when God was telling Abraham that his descendants are going to be enslaved for 400 years. So whether they like it or not, they have been framed. When they were still hiding the loins of Abraham. And God's pronouncement is binding them whether they like it or not. And you are now here, you don't even know what has been pronounced. But we trust God that whoever is joined with God is blessed. And that no matter what we go through, we should not harbor anything in our heart that will question the goodness of God. Give me Psalm 27 verses 13 and 14. Psalm 27 I will have lost heart unless I had believed that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And it shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Give me Psalm 35 verse, Psalm 33 verse 5 too. Psalm 33 verse 5. He loves righteousness and justice. The heart is full of the goodness of God. So if the heart is full of the goodness of God, you and I will still see that goodness of God in the land of the living. We will not doubt his goodness. Irrespective of what we are going through. Irrespective of the challenges and the situation that seems to defy the word of God. The word of God will not fail. Say the word I have spoken to you shall not return to me void or empty. It is those situations that we have to give up, not the word of God. There is no inconsistency in the word of God and his actions. God is true to his word. His word is forever settled in heaven. Whatever he has said, so shall it be in the name of Jesus. Amen Amen be it in the name of Jesus. The word of God is yea and amen. And nothing can change it until eternity comes in the name of Jesus. So whatever promises that God has given unto you, they are yea and amen. If it's going to set you into family, we set you into your family. You said, none of you shall be barren, you shall not be barren. So whatever you lay hands or do shall prosper, it will prosper. If the economy has to change because of you, it has to change. Remember the prophets of Elijah, that within so so time, abundance will come. And that captain said, ah, even if the God will open the windows of heaven, this cannot happen. And he said, no, you will hear it, you will see it, but you will not partake of it. God can't, God can, because of one man, God can change anything. God can turn around any situation or circumstances. God can delay things because of you. God can come in any form so that your mean, your joy, unspeakable can come. So I want you to know that God is able, God is faithful, and God is always good. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. What will you say if you are in the shoes of Joseph? Hated by your family, household enemies. They sold you to slavery. You became a slave and you are doing your job. J.J. Mrs. Potiphar showed interest in you. And you are standing upon your integrity and the fear of God. You ended up in prison. You got to prison, you interpreted the dream of two critical officials of Pharaoh. The one that was positive did not even remember you for two years. But the word of God will not fail. It did not fail the life of Joseph. Joseph never questioned the goodness of God. At every point in time, he was respecting God. He feared God. He did things in the fear of God. He never violated. He didn't do anything out of bitterness. Even when his own dreams were still in the cooler. Joseph also could have said, oh, there's inconsistency with the word of God and his action. No, he believed there is no inconsistency. Because in the fullness of time, he will get to the palace as prime minister. And that will be your portion too in the mighty name of Jesus. You will not challenge the goodness of God. You will love God. What about Job? Job was not even aware there's a cosmic contest over his destiny. And that almighty God was giving a testimonial concerning him. And he was sitting in JJ when the whole world crumbled around him. But in the midst of this, Joseph, I know that my Redeemer lives. And he shall stand at last on the house. He even said, after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God. That's Job 19, 25 to 26. I know my Redeemer lives. Irrespective of whatever I'm going through. Irrespective of the situation and circumstances. Even though I don't know, I don't understand everything that is going on. I will still trust him. I will trust God. I will wait for him. And I know that my Redeemer lives. And he shall stand at last on the earth in the name of Jesus. Give me Romans 11 quickly. 11.33 That you and I does not have answers to everything. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Or who has given to him that he shall be repaid to him? That's what I mean when I say how much you carry coming. It's God owing you. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever and ever. So I've mentioned three hindrances to the presence of God, a critical pillar in world creation. I spoke about ungratefulness, lack of contentment, and then questioning the goodness of God. The fourth point, if time permits me, is greed and covetousness will hinder the presence of God in your life. Greed and covetousness we not allow you to dwell in the presence of God. Once these two demons reign or rule in your life, the presence of God disappears completely. And when it rules in the life of a nation too, a greedy nation, a covetous nation, God will not show up for them. Joshua chapter 7, give me verse 10. We are all familiar with the story of Achan. Just one man brought destruction to the whole nation of Israel. After the battle of Jericho, and God has done miracles, signs and wonders in their lives, a small city, small nation that they would have crushed under their foot became a problem. The presence of God that usually goes with them to every battle, they have lost it without knowing it. Because some of the accursed things that God said they should give over completely for destruction was taken by Achan. And in verse 10 of Joshua 7, we saw Joshua lying down on the floor, crying to God. And look at what God said to him. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of their cursed things and have both stolen and deceived. 
and they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy their cause from among you. So God's presence cannot stand greed and covetousness. God said, I cannot stand around you. I cannot be with you. Until you throw away and get rid of those things that are caused in your midst. And one man brought defeat to a whole nation. And that's why we are sending a note of warning to every one of us here because we may be members of the same body. That one person can hinder the progress of many, many of us. One person can hinder us from enjoying the things God has prepared for us. Not too long ago, Pastor was sharing with us that if you put a thief in charge of your treasury, if that thief is stealing from your treasury, it can hinder the finance of the whole congregation because of the spirit that that person carries. And if it's the spirit of strife, the same thing. People will be given, but they will not be blessed. Unknown to them, that somebody is stealing and preferring from the treasury of God. Because God's anger will descend and it's going to affect everybody that has even given money. Even though they were innocent of their activity. So one man, because of greed and covetousness, can hinder a whole nation. So God's presence departed from Israel and they lost the battle. Because of greed and covetousness. So I want to search your heart. What are the accursed things that you are still harboring? If there's anything in your life that is displeasing God, God wants you to empty yourself of those things so that it's right. The Bible says his eyes are too pure to behold iniquity, bitterness, greed, covetousness, all those manifestations of the flesh. God wants you to take them out of your life. Those things that are not the fruit of the Spirit. For the sake of time, I will have gone to the book of Galatians to show us those things, but we are familiar with them. That we pray that all those things will no longer be in our lives in the name of Jesus. Finally, entrance to God's presence is the flagrant violation of God's word. The flagrant violation of God's word will deny you of God's presence. God cannot stand anyone who disobeys his word. Anyone who violates his word, God cannot stand them. The moment you deny the word of God, you are violating his commandments. Anything that you have done contrary to his word, there will be grave consequences. And one of the consequences is that you will not have his presence in your life. God's instruction to Adam and Eve is in Genesis 2, verses 16 to 17. For sake of time, we may not be able to read that, but write it down, Genesis 2, 16 to 17. And the house sought by Satan upon that word of God is Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 to 5. Eve told him, God said, the day we hit this, we will die. Satan said, no, you will not die. You can hit it, nothing will happen. There will be no consequences. But of course, there are consequences because they themselves even departed from the presence of God before God Almighty descended upon them and gave his own judgment. If you go to Exodus chapter 32, you will see the story of the golden calf. Moses went to the mountain to meet with God in order to receive the Ten Commandments. Before he came back, Israel decided to say, look, this Moses, we don't know whether he's coming back or not. Maybe he has been struck by the power of God and we don't know when he's coming back. Make another God for us. And Aaron collected all their gold earrings and chains and bangles. And he built a golden calf which they called, Israel, this is now your God. And because of that, they chased that way. Because that was the violation of the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other God besides me. What are those idols in your life that will stand against God? Those things that give you comfort apart from God Almighty. Those things that give you confidence. It could be your skill. It could be the money in your account. It could be your relationships. Those things that that's the focus that gives you joy. Those are the things that you think. Instead of knowing that the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
those things that can make you to take God for granted. They're idols. And God is not going to share position with anybody. He's number one in our lives. He's one and only God. He's a jealous God that will not share his position with anybody. So Israel lost the presence of God when they violated God's commandment by erecting that golden calf. And it took a lot of intercession. Exodus 33. For Moses. Give me Exodus 33 verse 1. After Moses has interceded, God said, you know what? I'm not going with you. I will send an angel with you. Say, depart and go from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land. God was not even claiming ownership as the one that has brought them out again. To the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your descendants, I will give it. And you go further down in that scripture, he said, I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Levite. But Moses had walked for long with God, and he knows the implication of this. That angel of that himself can even strike them without mercy. And so they said, no, we don't want an angel. We want God Almighty, the presence of the Almighty God. And by the time you get to verse 12, giving verse 12 of Exodus 33, then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you said, I know you by name. And you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. That was the confidence that Moses had before they can move on their next journey. Stand to your feet this afternoon. I want us to pray. The first prayer I want us to pray for us is in that scripture, give me that Exodus 33 again. Go to verse 12, I think of verse 13. Go on. Say, now therefore I pray, if I find grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. You can see the tautology of Moses. I found grace in your sight. Show me now your way that I may know you and I may do what again? Find grace in your sight. Nothing happens outside of grace of God. To know him, to know his way. I want you to cry unto God this afternoon, Lord, give me grace. Just as I have given Moses grace, I need grace in the mighty name of Jesus. If you don't have grace, you'll be disgraced. You need grace to know his way. You need grace to have his presence. You need grace to be able to please him at all times. Open your mouth this afternoon, Lord, grant me grace, oh Lord. I pray that you have me grace, Lord, grant me grace, grant me grace. I don't want to be disgraced. I want to know your way. I want to walk in the path that you have charted for me. Lord, grant me grace. Grant us grace this afternoon in the mighty name of Jesus. We want to walk in your way. We want to walk in the path that you have charted for us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord God. You have found grace in your sight. Lord, show us your way. That we may know you and find grace in your sight. Ask God to show you his way. The Bible said, made known his way, so Moses is this to the people of Israel. We need to know his way more and more. We need to know him and we need to find grace in his sight. Ask God to give you his presence, that his presence will go with you and he will be give us rest. Father, let your presence go with us on this journey of life. Uh, give us rest in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, we bless your holy name, Lord. Grace, grace, O oh Lord God, to your people, so that your name alone shall be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Give me Psalm 51, verse 11. David was one man that does not joke with the presence of God. It's one of the shining examples of those who perpetually enjoy his presence. But when he messed up with Bathsheba, God said Nathan to him. And he meditated that he got to know that, no, this is about me. The Bible says he kept a short account with God. He quickly repented. And that is when he wrote the Psalm 51. 
He said, cast me not away from your presence. He knows the meaning of the presence of God. That without that presence, you are nothing. You are doomed. And so he needs that presence every day of his life. He said, cast me not away from your presence. He said, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I want you to cry out to God this morning. This afternoon, may you keep a short account with God in the name of Jesus. Ask him not to cast you away from his presence. Ask him that you will not grieve his Holy Spirit so that we will not take his Holy Spirit from you in the name of Jesus. Father, we cannot operate out of your spirit in the name of Jesus. We need your Holy Spirit. Cast us not away from your presence. Do not take away your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. Do not cast us away from your presence. Have mercy upon us according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your great mercy. We ask you, O Lord God, that you will not take away your Holy Spirit from us. Let your presence go before us, come behind us, as on in the whole of your presence. Without your presence, we are nothing, Lord God. We need your presence every inch of the way in the name of Jesus. Let your presence go with your people and give them rest according to your word in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We bless your holy name. Thank you, everlasting Father. That we not hinder your presence in our lives. As you have taught us this afternoon, we go and study all these things and we work with it. So that perpetually we belong to those generations of those that have the presence of God in their lives at all times. And until we see you in glory and see you face to face, when we'll be more like you. Give us the grace to enjoy your presence. Thank you, everlasting Father. We bless and praise your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. so much for listening. We have to end it here today, but it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of God's Word. I pray that the Word of God you have received will sink deeply into your hearts and bring forth tangible fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. In addition, I pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye Bye for for now. now.